Last Sabbath, we dwelt a little bit on one song. Today, we are going to deal with a different song. And next week, I believe that the title of the sermon is also another song. And all of them are related to the Christmas story. The song that we reviewed last Sabbath, it was the song of praise that the Virgin Mary wrote or expressed once she met her cousin Elizabeth. And uh, at the end of the service, one of you came by and he said, I appreciate very much what you said regarding the, uh, how Mary described God with three or four different characteristics. And he said, I relate to three of the four, but I have a hard time relating to the fourth one. Would you elaborate on that sometime in the future? And um, the thing that he relates is the power of God, the mercy of God, and the faithfulness of God. But he said, I just can't understand and can apply what it means to be the holiness of God. So I said to myself, I will try to do that in the near future. If I can find applications in the story of Jesus when he was born, I'll do it next Sabbath. I have another topic I was going to present to you today. But if he has applications that found reality in the story of Christmas, in the story of Jesus, then I will do it. I didn't have to go very far. In the book of Luke, chapter 1, and please would you open your Bibles in Luke, chapter 1. That's where we find the story of Mary and the uh, Magnificat. And in the same chapter, we have the story of Zachariah. And it was interesting because he reminded me, and he repeats very well the text that says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other words, Pastor Julio, I hope that you understand that this is an important subject. That person is here, and I asked him permission to say this, and so, and he graciously agreed to do it. Um, it is an important subject. There is no question about that. It is a very important subject. Without practicing holiness, we cannot see the Lord. Um, then, in verses 67 through 80, you find the son of Zechariah. So I didn't have to go far away to find the answer to the topic. Holiness, holiness. Well, right there, it says something very interesting in verse 64. It says that when John the Baptist was born, Mother Elizabeth indicated that the son was going to be called John. And people said, no way. No way, you have to call him Zachariah as the father. And the mother said, no, he will be called John. And then they came to Zechariah, who had lost the ability to speak for nine months, the nine months that his wife was pregnant. And he's going to take the tablet and something to write. And then at that moment, God restored his ability to talk again. And that's why it says in verse 64, and he began to speak, and the first thing that he does, he starts praising God. Imagine somebody who is not able, he is a pastor, he is a priest, and 
whatever he needs to be able to preach has been taken away from him because of his lack of faith. And so now he's able to talk again. Oh, he's rejoicing. He is so happy. He's, he is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is going too fast. Okay. Zachariah was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he did that, when the Spirit took over him, he started prophesying. He shared with those that were close to him a prophecy. And the prophecy has to do with Jehovah, the God of Israel. And he says that he's going to be visiting them. And he's going to redeem them. And then he's going to raise a horn of salvation. And if you read the whole section right there, the rest of the chapter, you will find that he's describing Jesus. Jesus right there. Now, I don't know if Mary was present or not. The verses before says that after three months, she came uh, uh, after three months of learning that she was pregnant, she came to Elizabeth in, in one town in Judea and stayed with her cousin for three months. But it doesn't say if she, wa- if she left when John the Baptist was born or after that, before or after. Well, if she was there, she should have realized in the power of the Holy Spirit that she's talking about her son who was going to be called Jesus Jesus, the horn of salvation. And then says four interesting, fascinating things. The first one is this. This Jesus is going to come and he's going to rescue his people from their enemies. Now in the book of Psalms, chapter 81, David has a very similar statement. It says like this, under the power of the Spirit. If my people would listen to me, I would free them from all their enemies. My brothers and sisters, is not talking about the Babylonians, is not talking about the Assyrians, is not talking about the Midianites, is talking about the demons that are inside of us. And you say, I don't have any demons inside. Well, all of us do. All. They may be different demons. I have my own demons, you have your own, and they may be different demons, but all of us fight that human nature. It might be pride, it might be a temper, it might be lying, it might be whatever. You know what the demons are inside of you, and I know the ones that I have inside of me. And they are not nice, they are not nice. And so Jesus is coming, Jesus was to come to rescue us from the hand of these enemies. Isn't that a beautiful promise? But it doesn't stop right there. It says also, he's going to enable us to serve him without fear. (laughs) That is a beautiful promise. That is a gorgeous promise. That we are going to be able to serve God. There is no greater privilege, my brothers and sisters, than serving God and serving his people. In the next issue of the newsletter, which will be the last one uh, during my tenure in this church, in the editorial section, you are going to read something about the privilege of serving God and serving his people. There is nothing higher than that. And it's in the power of Jesus, 
in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are able to do that without fear. And again, God has given us different talents. Some of you, your talent of testifying about Jesus is just by living a consistent life. Some of you, just by sharing with your co-worker your testimony as to how God changed your life. Some of us with the spoken word. Some of us with the gift of prayer. Some of us with the gift of hospitality. God has given different gifts to different people. And praise God that that is the case. Because it would be very boring if all of us would have the same gifts. Okay? But the statement doesn't stop right there. And now comes the very meat of the verse. Let me read it again. He's coming to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our life. That is powerful. That is immensely powerful. That God is going to enable you and me to live in holiness, to testify in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Sometimes you see uh, individuals who have the ability to go very high and very low and then start low and high and low and so on and so forth. In the power of the Spirit, that becomes very, very horizontal. Very horizontal, but it goes up, 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 up in the power of the Spirit. And I will explain how that happens. How that happens. Well, why don't we define what holiness and righteousness are? These are heavy words. And the Apostle Paul tended to be a little bit difficult sometimes in his writings. Even Peter said, oh, brother Paul. Sometimes he's difficult to understand. Well, let's try to simplify what it means holiness and what it means righteousness. And let's do it in the context of Christmas. Okay? All right. Holiness describes and righteousness, they describe, and this is an illustration that probably could help to understand what I mean. Describes a tree. A tree that has two things. Has roots and has fruits. Has fruit and roots. You cannot have fruit if you don't have roots. And so, the roots represent the character of God, and the fruits represent the conduct of a godly person. We cannot have a conduct, conduct that is godly and may, unless God is inside of us. Unless the Spirit of God is guiding and empowering and equipping and enabling us. So the conduct will be a reflection of the character of God. Number two. Holiness is being. And righteousness is doing. There is a difference. And almost always, almost always, when somebody uh, gets acquainted with God, they are so happy, they are so excited, and the question is this, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And the answer is, first we have to be. First we have to be to be able to do something that will bring that will bring honor and glory to God. If God is not there, then what I'm going to do is not going to reflect his glory and his presence. Do you follow me? Yes? 
Okay. In a black congregation, I would have heard already 20 amens. Amen, brother. Keep going. <laughs> Here we are dull. <laughs> okay, the next one. To be holy is to be right with God. To be right with God. To do righteousness is to do right. Do you, do you see the difference? One is to have a right relationship with God. And the other one that is quite different is to do right. And one statement comes to mind right now from John Stutt. And this is a very profound statement. You don't have to be right to do right. It seems to contradict this. But it's not. Sometimes because of the next point that I'm going to show, which is the grace of God. You have to do things for the sake of the person that we are trying to help that you wouldn't do otherwise. I don't know if that explains. Okay? But you not necessarily have to be right to do right. Okay, the next one is, we are reflecting as much as we allowed God to represent his character when we are holy, his character, his personality. When it comes to righteousness, then we are God expressing a godly conduct, godly behavior. Does it make sense? It's a reflection of the presence of God. And the last one is this. John, the beloved disciple, describing Jesus, he says, You, you Jews, you Israel, through Moses receive the Ten Commandments, the law. But I see Jesus coming filled, full with grace and truth. I love that statement. Filled with grace and truth. Grace, the grace of God. Truth, the truth of God. So what happens when that sense of grace, through the character, the personality of God living in myself, is expressed in benefit of the other individuals? That we also show grace and truth. But somebody, I think it was you, Kelly, in some of the school, said this morning, but grace or truth, truth has to be communicated in love. Because if it's not communicated in love, it elicits a negative reaction. Am I right? Very good. That was very well said. And that's exactly the point. That as Christians, we are called to express grace but, and love and truth with a sense of love. A fellow pastor who's probably interested in coming here to Bonita. I don't know why he asked me this question last week. Uh, Bonita has a reputation. And the reputation is that it's a beautiful church. And beautiful people. And that includes Amir too, yes. <laughs> I love Amir. I love his amens. And um, so he said, how come you're so much in love with Bonita? Give me what the number one characteristic of what Bonita is. And I couldn't, be, I couldn't think in anything else but one word. 
And that word is the sense of grace. Grace. Sinners. We are all sinners. We are all sick. Some of us are sicker than others, okay? But all of us are sick. And I love the spirit of the church. That it comes here not to criticize righteous people, but to be healed by the grace of God. This week, every single day of the week, starting on Sunday and finished yesterday, Friday, with three cases. Individuals who are not members of our church have called our church in search of grace. I cannot, I cannot, unfortunately, be more specific. But from three different states, three different states, asking that if somebody from Bonita could minister to people in desperate need of grace. In one case, in one case, somebody in another state who was physically expelled from his own congregation and came to San Diego. And when they discover what he have done in the other state, they kick him out too. And I couldn't believe the story. I couldn't believe the story. But it's real. I, they, I know the individual who called me, who is, who is an individual known for his or her integrity, and said, could Bonita or somebody from Bonita talk to this individual and help him to get out of the immense mess in which he and his family are? I said, of course. That's what we love to do the best. Pastor Vaughn has the same philosophy. Trina has the same philosophy. All of us exhibit that philosophy. Sense of grace. My brothers, don't ever lose that sense of grace. What value is to know the doctrines very well? What value it is, and I say this in Sabbath school today, what value is to know all the prophecies of the Bible if we are not able to express the character and the grace of Jesus Christ? What is holiness alone? I will give you seven things that grace is not. And then I will give you the positives illustrated with segments of the story of Christmas. First one. And this is one that you know. The others probably are not that well known. Holiness is not freedom from all sin. Do you see the emphasis? All sin. As long as we are on planet Earth, journey through here, we are going to be sinful. There is no question. The, the amount of sin, the intensity of sin is going to change, but we are sinners. We are sinners. And we should be willing to admit that we are sinners. It's not that. But it is this. But it is freedom from the dominion of sin and from the willful sinning. In other words, I know that it's wrong, but I will do it the same. I don't care. Well, the next picture uh, came out of order, but that's all right. Who are these people? These are Herod and the Pharisees, the priests, the scribes. 
Herod received the benefit. I'm sorry, these are not the scripts. These are the Magi. The Magi that came from the Far East. Nobody knows exactly where they came from. It has been suggested that they came from Babylon. Because of the knowledge of the scriptures that they had. And probably when Nebuchadnezzar took Daniel, Sadra, Mishak, and Abednego with hundreds of other slaves into Babylon, they took also the books with them, the Old Testament books. And probably these individuals have access to these books and learn, they learn about the messianic prophecies. So they are guided to Jerusalem and it appeared as if Jerusalem didn't know what was going on. So um, Herod called those who are in position of authority, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the priests. And they said, are you aware of a king? And he, he acts as if he's interested in information for noble reasons. A king here in, in, in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem? Are you aware of that? Yes. And then they quote from the scriptures. Now, how is it possible that they knew so well the theology, but they were not honoring the coming of the Messiah? You see, you see the, 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 something is wrong, is deadly wrong. And that is called unbelief. The leaders of the church, unbelief. That was dominion of sin, because they were not only ignoring the prophecies, what they were preaching. They didn't believe in that, but they were preaching things that were not appropriate, incorrect, biblically incorrect. And Herod, when he ordered to kill all the children in Bethlehem, which one of those, dominion of sin or willful sinning? Probably both, both. So probably your situation and mine is not that extreme, but it's important to know what is and what is not holiness. Number two, holiness is not freedom from mistakes in judgment. Now, often we make mistakes of judgment. But it is freedom from the need to exercise judgment alone. Let me give you an example from the scriptures. Do you know who this gentleman is? Hezekiah the father of John the Baptist. Hezekiah is in the temple. He is in the temple next to the, in, uh, the altar of the incense. And suddenly, imagine, imagine if you can, if you please, for one second, imagine that an angel comes here as we are worshipping. They are here, we don't see them. They are here, we don't see them, okay? But suddenly, one of them comes here and says, um, Brother Julio, you and your wife are already a little bit old, but you have been praying for children. You have not had children. Now your wife is going to have a child. <laughs> Can you imagine the, the shock? He says, God has heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. He's working next to the altar of the incense, and the smoke represents the prayers of the saints coming to heaven. He, that's what he's doing. But he himself cannot believe what an angel is telling him inside of the temple. And then he says, give me a proof. 
And he said, you want proof? You get one. You are not going to be able to talk for nine months. It's too late. He made a judgment without faith. You see, in in the spiritual realm, we have to exercise the gift of faith. All of us, and this is something I was tempted to say, Ignacio presented a magnificent lesson today, and I was tempted to say that, but I didn't say it. All of us have received the gift of faith. All of us. A certain portion of faith. It's our responsibility to grow in that faith. And as we watch the faithfulness of God, our faith grows and grows and grows. As you pray and your prayers are answered, your faith grows and grows and so on and so forth. Okay? Okay, I think that you got the illustration. Remember Mary. She comes to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth welcomed her, she's pregnant, six months pregnant, welcomed her and said, Blessed are those who believe what God says is going to be accomplished. Oh, she had good reason to say that. Her husband is the one who was mute for nine months. Okay? It's important, my brothers. C.S. Lewis, he says, unbelief is the most accepted sin in Christianity. Amen? It's horrible. Why? Because it's not offensive to anybody. Only you know if you believe or not. Sometimes we say, I don't believe that, I don't believe that. But most of us keep the unbelief inside. And that is the situation right here. So be careful, be careful, be very careful. Number three, holiness is not freedom from temptation. I said, ooh, I thought I was going to be free from temptation. (laughs) I have good news for you. It's not that, but it is freedom from the paralysis of failure. All of us are tempted. I'm tempted every single day, every single day. My temptations may be a little bit different than yours. Yours may be different than the temptations that Jesus had. Nobody that I know has been tempted in this congregation to transform rocks into bread. But Jesus could do that. He could do that. So, that is the temptation. If you are God, why don't you do this and this and this? That is not a temptation for us. But temptations are, when you go to a restaurant, in the menu, you find two ways of selecting your food. One is the different things that are right there listed. And the other one, I hope I pronounce this enough, so, uh, uh, well enough so you can understand, a la carta. Does it make sense? Can somebody pronounce it better? Exactly, like that. And then you choose, exactly, I want this and this. Even if you cannot pronounce it, I can this and this, a la carta. That's what the devil does. The temptations that he has for Enrique are different than for Diana. <laughs> it's so nice to see you here. Yes. And the temptations of Diana are different than from Sharon. And so on and so forth. He knows in which areas we are weak and he comes without temptations. Okay? Well, let me give you an example from, this, from the story of the Bible. And this is a very interesting one. I searched for different ones and finally I decided to share this with you. Who are these? Who are these? The shepherds, talking with angels. Who are the shepherds? In the Bible, they are the most despised people.
people that you can find. When you're good for nothing, you'll become a shepherd. Um, <laughs> I was going to give an illustration, but it, it's not good. It's not good. Um, when, when they were good for nothing, okay, my son, you will take care of my sheep. Remember, David, uh, Samuel comes to Jesse's home to select a new king, and he's impressed Big bodies and oh, very handsome and so on and so forth. Oh, this is it. God said, no. You're looking the exterior. I'm looking to the heart. He looks, all the sons, he said, do you have another one? Another son? Yeah. There's one taking care of the sheep. The shepherd. Bring him over. And God says, that's the one. David. David. See? Well, their self-concept is non-existent. They smell they, uh, they were not educated. Nobody wanted to be close to them. Shepherds. Shepherds. In every culture 2,000 years ago, they were despised. And God says, I love you. I like you. I'm selecting you who have been despised and uh, negated in your rights and everything to be my witnesses. Don't you love it? What is the temptation of us when we have low self-esteem? No, no, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Have you felt that way? Let me tell you a story. Ah. I told you... Okay, you want to tell me? I did tell you this story once before. It's so incredible that some of you may not believe it, but it's true. It's true. I was the principal of our academy in Miami. And by the second year... A gentleman by Ronald Reagan, do you remember Ronald Reagan? Was selected to be the president. And one day, one day I received an invitation to come to the inauguration of Ronald Reagan, signed by him, Julio Tawenka, and so on and so forth. I believe in the enormous creativity of the student body. <laughs> so I thought that some of them had gone through a long elaboration process to create that invitation. So I didn't believe that it was an invitation from Ronald Reagan for me to go to his inauguration. And so I showed it to one of my colleagues, and he said, Julio, why did you send it to me? I said, I don't know. I said, who did it? Who printed this? Who? He said, no, I think it's genuine. I said, no, it's not. I don't deserve this. I'm not even I'm an American. And then I called the number. It was real. And then I asked the most stupid question I ever asked. I said, can I give this invitation to the vice principal who deserves this? She said, what's wrong with you? How many people get an invitation like this? I said, I don't know. I don't know. I persuaded her to allow me to give the invitation to the vice principal. And he went over there. And some of you know, know Bruce Lane. Nobody, okay. He, he went over there with his son. And he was treated royally. I wasn't worth, worthy. You see? Have you ever felt that way? And that is, no, impossible. God talking to me through his angels. I'm a shepherd. They believe that. They overcame the temptation. Can you imagine the failure it would have been if they would have said, no, we are not worthy. We are not worthy. Do you see the, the point? Do you see the problem? Okay, next. Holiness 
does not mean freedom from physical illness. What do you mean? I mean this. But it does mean freedom from all illnesses which are the direct result of disobedience. Do we have in the Christmas story somebody who represents this? Yes. In Matthew number 1, there is a list of all the ancestors of Jesus Christ. It's called the genealogy, Jesus' genealogy. And there are seven names, seven names of individuals right there, who are six who are highly questionable. And one who will love a man after God's heart who made a horrible mistake. And that name, that person is King David. He woke up from a long siesta. Do you know what that is? Take advantage of my Spanish because you may not have somebody who speaks Spanish later on. <laughs> yeah. You may say that happened, that happened before, okay? I left a certain place in San Diego and, and the next pastor came. He has an accent. The new one. American. <laughs> okay. Um, he woke up from a long siesta and he looks and he says, a naked lady taking a bath. And instead of saying, oops, going back to his room, he brought even some elements to look. And then that led to the birth of a child. And God, and this, this is amazing about God. God waited one year, one year to finally he cannot take it anymore. And he sends a messenger, a prophet, to King David. And that person, you remember the story of Nathan? And, and it's a funny story. He said, somebody had a lamb, only one lamb. He even slept with that lamb in the same bed. He fed her, he nurtured him, and so on and so forth. And then somebody came, took the lamb, killed the lamb, ate the lamb. And David said, that man has to die. And Nathan said, that man is you. I have sinned against God. And the next verse, and God forgave him. Wow. What a story. What a story. During that year, he was not able to write one psalm. And do you want to read how he felt during that year with that sense of guilt? When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. The sense of culpability and guilt. Does God forgive? Yes. Does God forgive? Some of you don't believe that. Does God forgive? Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. But he doesn't prevent us from receiving the effects of our sins. You see? Because... And in fact, we have to pay for that. We have to pay for that. Well, David, David, that's a good illustration. Holiness doesn't mean freedom from conflict. Ooh, and you said, I thought that once I get an, uh, baptized, I don't have any more conflicts. Ooh, you will. You will. But it does mean freedom from defeat. Let me give you another story. Another story. Uh, you remember these individuals in the story? The three Magi, and as I, as I said a few months ago, maybe they came from Babylon, maybe from India. We do not know. We do not know. They came. Now imagine the conflict. 
Their own people. What's wrong with you following a star? <laughs> Can you imagine one of you following a star? And your family will say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm following a star. <laughs> the star didn't move. The earth moves. <laughs> no, I'm following the star. And they even Richard in camels. Only Richard knows what I'm talking about. It's not always an easy experience to go in a camel. <laughs> and, uh, and then f- for almost a year, following the star. Now the star, during the day, you don't see stars. Don't you think that that's a conflict? Are we doing the right thing during the day? They, were as, they didn't sleep well. Are we crazy? Have we lost our minds? What's wrong with us? And then they come after a long, long journey to Jerusalem. What, and the star disappeared. Disappeared. They waited for the night. No more star. So they are asking people questions. What are you talking about? You, you are crazy. You are crazy. So finally, they go to the king. And you saw the story from the other perspective a few moments ago. They have plenty of conflict. But they place their confidence in him that is able to guard us from what? Stumbling. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? And the next one. Holiness is not freedom from liability to fall. And all of us do that. Sometimes more olympically than others. But it is freedom from the necessity of falling. Now you have the case of Joseph. Joseph. Imagine Joseph. Try to put yourself in the heart, in the mind of Joseph. Joseph is crazy about Mary. Who wouldn't? God chose Mary. If God chose Mary, <laughs> she would be the envy of every, for every man, okay? 14, 15, maybe 15 years old. And he already proposed. He's going to marry Mary. And suddenly he learns, I don't know how, that she is pregnant. How would you react, men? That the one that you love... And you believe that it's a virgin. And so on and so forth. And suddenly something is growing and growing and growing. And it's not yours. I know what I would do. And you know what you would do. And Joseph, who was a holy man. It says interesting. He was very devout. And he was a righteous man. He was going to let her go quietly. He didn't want to make her life miserable. And then he's asleep. And an angel came, the same that visited Mary, and said, this is, yes, she is pregnant, but it's not of men. Now, would you have believed that? <laughs> we, we talk about Mary, and we did last week. And praise God for Mary. Praise God for Mary. We believe in Mary. We believe in Mary. Remember, you asked me that question? And that's how we talk about Mary. But Joseph is as gracious and faith-filled as Mary. He believed that. He could have said, what a dream. Oof, what a dream. And then I can see him walking up and telling his friends, you know what I dream? That she's pregnant, but not of men. (laughs) He had the option to believe the angel or not to believe. We have the option many times. We fall. It's a decision that we make, my brothers and sisters. In the final analysis, it's a decision that we make. 
We cannot blame others. It's our responsibility. And the last one, holiness. is not freedom from the possibility of advance. It is freedom from the... It is freedom from the impossibility of advance. And this happens in two different occasions in life. One is when we are in trouble, in deep trouble. And then we said, and the devil, the devil used that argument with Eve and with Adam. You have crossed the line. There is no hope for you. Have you ever experienced that? You are so evil. What you have done is so horrendous. You have crossed the line. God, the line. God is not going to forgive you. That is the devil. God is willing to forgive everything if we confess it. If we confess it. And if you confess it, it's because the Spirit of God is in you. We cannot confess without being prompted by the Holy Spirit. And the other one is this. And this is a very interesting one. It's the one that I'm referring right here. Some people will reach that level of holiness, purity, that is so extraordinary, and said there is nothing else for that individual to conquer, to advance, because he's holy. Well, let me remind you of what is going to happen, what happened to Mary. Mary was an incredible individual. God selected her over every other woman on planet Earth. Mary was beautiful. She was holy. Did she understand her role as the mother of Jesus and uh, Jesus as the son of God? Never. Never. I don't have the time, but I will give you three or four moments when she didn't understand. She even tried to persuade him to leave his ministry and come back home. It was after the cross. It was after the resurrection when finally Mary said, he is my Savior. He is not only my Son. He is my Savior. What is going to happen to us when we go to heaven? Oh, holiness. Holiness. The highest level of holiness. Nobody can see the Lord without holiness. Are we going to stop learning right there? No. We are told that we are going to study the plan of salvation for eternity. The plan of redemption for eternity. <laughs> that is a long time. That is a long time. And as we do that, we grow in holiness. So let me conclude with the following. For eternity, enjoying the beauty of growing in holiness. Don't you love it? And I close with this text. Be holy as my Father in heaven is holy. God bless you.